New Year's, uh, as pastors, we got together and we're thinking about what we can challenge you with today as we're on that threshold of saying goodbye to the old, saying hello to something that's new, 2024. Our theme is how to be free and focused in 2024. And each one of us, all three of us, will be preaching. And we were given five minutes each, and we all know my understanding of five minutes. We have our own sense of time. We broke this into three sections. We're going to be uh, focused on Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 to 14, and I will read that in just a moment. We're going to break it into three sections, and each one of us is taking one part of the third. So the first one is, get free from the bad done to you. Get free from the bad you have done. And number three, get free from the good you have done. So section one, get free from the bad done to you. Part two will be get free from, sorry, yeah, get free from the bad you've done, part two. Part three, get free from the good you've done, and that's what we want to challenge you with. So I'm going to start with get free from the bad done to you. And that is a a loaded statement. And there's a lot of different ways that we can approach that. And as I studied it, I, I came up, so I was challenged with something I've never seen it from this view, so I'm hoping you'll be challenged the same. But let me read Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 to 14. It's on the screen behind me. I'm reading it from the NIV version here. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 to verse 14. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more? I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering become like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have yet taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Get free from the bad done to you. How do we do this? Well, I mentioned it to someone on Friday, and the first word that came back was pretty quick. What do you think it was? So this is a poll. How do you get free from the bad done to you? Shout it out. Right? Forgive. Forgiveness. It's a no-brainer. We should forgive. So my son's a hockey player, so of course I go into the sports arena. And do you know what the most controversial stat in the sports arena is right now on the score sheet? It's the plus-minus stat. Do you know what the plus-minus stat is? So a plus-minus stat is the way a team or management um, figures out if a player is contributing to the well-being of the team or not. So if I'm on the ice, we're playing five on five, and if I'm on the ice 
as a, as a player, forward, a defenseman, doesn't matter, and the other score team, scores a goal against my team, that's a minus for me. So my play in that play meant that I didn't help my team. So everybody on the ice at that time gets a minus. If I'm on the ice, five against five, and I, my team scores a goal, then I'm plus one. So in the play of a game, uh, statisticians keep track of my play. Am I a plus or am I a minus player? So in 2023, so far in the season, we have someone, for example, like Johnny Goudreau, who is a minus 33. So on the plus minus stat, would we consider him a great player for his team or not so much? Yeah. So you can understand why this stat is so controversial. The problem with the stat that I have is your mistakes are never forgotten. So in all of history, I think he's an Edmonton Oiler, the all-time minus, he, I can't remember where his, his career minus is in the hundreds. And, and as I did some review on this, it actually really affected his ability to get a contract because they looked at his minuses. It's controversial because, as you can imagine, on any play of the game, there's so many factors, so many factors involved as to why you'd be a plus or a minus. I mean, for example, watching my son's game yesterday, um, so he's on the ice, um, it's five on five, he's a, he's a winger playing a forward, his defenseman has the puck, his defenseman wants to pass the puck up to him, and as he passes it, he fans on the puck. The other player picks up the puck and scores a goal. My son gets a minus. He had nothing to do with it. He gets a minus. So on the score sheet, he's a minus. His mistakes are remembered. What happens when we keep count of the plus and the minuses of the daily interactions of our life? What happens when we keep track of that statistic? You know, Peter asks the question, in a different way. In Matthew chapter 18, we know this well. Peter came to Jesus and says, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. Is Peter keeping a plus minus stat? Looking around going, well, you're at a minus five right now, and you're only at a minus two. You're at a minus seven. Now what do I do? How many times do I forget? How many times should I forgive? I do this with children all the time. I love doing this. So put yourself in the imagination. Imagine someone offends you once and we say, I forgive you. Person offends you again a second time. I forgive you. Third time, I forgive you, I think. Fourth, fifth, sixth, Seventh time. You know what's in my mind? You know the honeymooners? You know when Ralph goes, one of these days, one of these days, pow! You guys don't know that one? Oh, you got to YouTube it. It is so funny. I love it. Because I know what Ralph is doing. In his marriage with Alice, there's some times where you just want to, mmm. And I'm wondering if Peter, at the seventh time, goes, I can do it. I've forgiven you seven times and I can now do it, right? What does Jesus answer? 
I want to suggest to you that Jesus' answer is, walk backward into your future. Walk backward into your future. Because if you look at the parable that Jesus gives in answer to Peter's question, Jesus says, imagine there's a servant who comes to the master and says, please forgive me, I owe you a debt that I can never, ever repay. And what does the landowner do in that parable? Forgives the debt. That is pretty cool. So when he leaves that meeting, I don't know, I just, again, play their imagination. Imagine it's a boardroom. They're sitting in there, and as that landowner walks out that office, walks down the hall, he sees someone who's offended him three times. And he goes, pay back the debt right now. So he's walking out of that office into his future, facing forward, forgetting what just happened behind him. Imagine if you walked out of that office backwards going, I am just remembering this incredible forgiveness I have just received. God has been so good to me. That's the point that Jesus is making to to Peter. Remember what God has done for you when you walk out backwards because your future, you can't see what's going to happen. You don't know what mess is going to happen here. But what you do know is what you're walking in, the path that God has laid out for us. And you walk backwards and you bump into someone who's forgiven, who's offended you one, two, three, five, seven times. And so because I've been forgiven, because I've been forgiven, can I forgive? Walk backward into your future. Peter, you've been hurt and you've been wronged up to seven times. I have forgiven you an infinite number of times. That is how lavish my love and my grace and my mercy is towards you. Can you do the same forward? Because I think that's Jesus' answer. I mean, Jesus says what? 77 times or 70 times seven? I think Jesus' point is, forget the stat. Don't keep the stat. It's not about the number. It's about you being forgiven. And because you have been forgiven lavishly, extravagantly, generously, can you forgive lavishly, generously? We are to go and do likewise. You see, in that verse, what I like is not that I've already obtained all this, I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on, present tense, to take hold of that future tense for which Christ Jesus took hold of me Past tense. How do we walk into our future? By facing backwards. What do I mean by that? Can you trace the grace of God which has called you from eternity to be his own? Do you see how every path you walked on led you to him? Do you see that even in the worst parts of your life, he was there ushering and sustaining and providing for you? Can you see the discipline that taught you wisdom? Do you see the well-worn tracks of forgiveness in which you still travel day by day? Do you see that God has always been and will be faithful to you? So don't tremble at the prospect of the unknown. Turn around and remember what is always true. God has been faithful and he will be again. Step boldly into whatever comes next, knowing that God is is with you. 
You see, when we walk into our futures backwards, our eyes are fixed on the faithfulness of God and His righteousness. We see the continual faithful and loving action of God on our behalf. We see that Christ laid down His life for us so that we can be reconciled to the Father and be made His children. We see that God, God's hand has been upholding us in all of our trials just as He will uphold us again. Forgive. We're right. The answer is forgive. Be lavish in your forgiveness because we have been forgiven lavishly. One thing I do, walking backwards, remembering what Christ has done, remembering what I'm walking in because I don't know what my future is going to hold, but I do know who has forgiven me and provided for me. May that be one thing we can do to help us when we have been wronged. Don't keep the stat. Jesus says forgive. Forgive lavishly. Amen. So we've been exploring a little bit about the freedom that Christ says is available to us so that we can live our lives without regret. That's the tough one. We do carry a lot of regrets as human beings. And one of the things that that verse that we put up from Philippians reminds us about is that pressing forward is important in terms of attitude. That, that we need to be reminded to keep moving forward. And so what we've said is if you want to be free of the past and ready to focus on what's ahead, then, then we're talking about what it takes to put stuff behind you. Pastor Dave talked about getting free from the bad done to you. I want to briefly touch on getting free from the bad that I've done. This, in essence, is what we come together to celebrate at a communion table. We think about what prevents us from having a right relationship with God. And it's always daunting to think that when I think of my concept of God, I'm always thinking that there's something that I can do to make things right. It's the way that I think as a human being. I have this inevitable desire to put things right when things aren't right. And, and there's a pounding that comes in my heart and my brain when I know that I've messed up and I just want to put stuff right. And one of the hardest things that we come up with as human beings is the ability to, to recognize that God says to us, you can't put right what you've done wrong, but I can put it right for you. And that takes a tremendous amount of humility to gather around a table like this and accept what's being done for you. Sometimes we get stuck in what we've done. We say things like this to ourselves, did I confess my sin? When I ask that question of myself, and when you ask it of yourself, we're, we're often in the middle of guilt. And when we're sensing guilt, we say to ourselves, 
Yes, I've confessed. In fact, often when we think of stuff that's happened in the past, things that we've done, we're often trying to do another kind of count, not the count that Pastor Dave was talking about of things done to you, but of the amount of times that I have tried to deal with what I've done wrong and confess my own sin. And so we have a little ticker that we click and say, but I've confessed, I confessed, and every time it comes up in my mind, I say, I'm sorry, 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 I'm sorry. That's a weird thing. Throw up that quote from Tozer. This was a curious thought, and I want us just to think about this for a moment. Self-derogation, what's that? That means thinking the worst about yourself. It means putting yourself down. Self-derogation is bad for the reason that self has to be there to derogate. And self, whether swaggering or groveling, can never be anything but hateful to God. Boasting is an evidence that we're pleased with ourselves, belittling that we're disappointed in ourselves. Either way, we reveal that we have a very high opinion of ourselves. That's a, that's a curious way to look at the compulsion I have to reconfess over and over again the things that God says are forgiven. It's done. It's over. It's completed. Jesus already died for you. What more do you want him to do for your sin? And, and, and Tozer comes up with this curious way of saying, if you're that hung up with yourself, that you're beating yourself up, then you must have a very inflated sense of your own self. You're probably saying things like, oh, I'm really a good person inside. I can't believe that I did that. I wish I hadn't done that. Oh, I'm so sorry that I did that. I shouldn't have. I couldn't have. Why did I? And so we go over and over and over again. What we're really doing is is saying, you know what? I, I think I'm here. And I failed. And oh my goodness, I'm trying to come up with reasons why I failed. And so we go over it time and time again. We cling to the past. We we act as if I'm too good for that. So how did it happen? The Word of God sets us free in this sense. It says, look, we are all sinners. Here you are. And, 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 and there's, it's not a scale. It's not a sliding scale. It's not God saying, find where you are on the scale of badness. He just says, look, you're never going to please God on your own. You're always going to have sin in your life. And that sin is a representation of yourself, which is impossible to perfect. And that humility causes you to come to a table like this and begin to recognize that when I reconfess and reanalyze and re-go over what I've done in the past, when I let guilt take a hold of me, It's as if I'm elevating myself. Like I'm disappointed. I should have done better. Instead of just accepting that I'm wrong. Deacons, come on up and I want you to hand out the elements as I finish off here. 
I want you to grab both elements, the bread and the cup. They're going to hand it to you right now. I know, it's a tough thing. Hand it out to people. Just hold on to both the bread and the cup while it comes around to you. But when people tell you what kind of person you are, our instant instinct is to jump to our own defense. And I think it's that defensiveness that Tozer is asking us to think about. I can't put right in my life all the things that I've done wrong. I can never atone enough for all the things I've thought and for all the things I've done. I can't. And when I get stuck there trying to atone for my own sin, I will not be able to move forward. Our verse in Philippians says, forgetting what is behind, move forward to the goal that is in Christ Jesus. And what we're about to do around the communion table right now is accept the fact that Jesus took care of all of our sin. Every stupid word I've spoken, every dumb thought I've had, every hateful thing that I've done and thought, Everything that other people look at me and say that was a mistake or that was evil or that was horrible. Everything that I think was evil and horrible and ugly. If I die for my own sin, all I've done is paid the price. If someone puts me to death for my evil, all that is accomplished is that you pay. And then what? God has an alternative. Instead of you and I being punished for our own sin and it being over with, the debt being cleared, but then we have zero, nothing, Jesus dies for us, takes the punishment, and we get to be pronounced Forgiven. Clean. <laughs> Perfect. It's amazing. I want to read those familiar words to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. The Apostle Paul says, this is what we're going to keep doing because when we know Christ, this is what's instinctual, that we remember what he did for us. And we're going to keep doing it until the day comes when it's no longer necessary to remember what he did, because we will be in his presence, and it will be a fait accompli. Let me get those back.
For I received from the Lord, but I also pass on to you that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread. When he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The gift is that every single one of my sins, past, present, and future, Jesus paid the price for. And I don't have to. That includes in my own mind. Jesus said, take this bread, eat it, and be thankful. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus said, This is my blood for you. And as often as you drink it, remember me and be thankful. Father, as we take this cup and eat this bread, we remember that our sins are dealt with. This is not about us becoming something that we're not. We are not perfect. We are stated in perfection. We are placed in a state of perfection, not because of myself or anything that I did, not my goodness. I didn't earn this. This is a gift given to me by the fact that you, Jesus, died for me. And your perfection gets passed on to me. God sees me in you. And being in Christ is both my protection and my reward. Father, thank you for all that you've done for us by having Jesus die on the cross. Amen. We're going to take a moment to reflect a little bit on 2023. Who wants to run the mic for me? Oh, way to go, Cam. <laughs> he leapt to his feet. <clears throat> this is the last, uh, last day of 2023, and we just wanted to give you a chance, as Darren said, to say thank you for uh, the year, something you want to express uh, thanksgiving to God for, uh, something that you want to say uh, praise him for. Uh, acknowledge his presence in your life. Thank him for the strength, for whatever he's given you. So just uh, throw your hand up there. We're just going to take a few uh, praise items here. Most of you know that we lost our son and daughter-in-law just over a year ago. Our scripture today is from Philippians, but the next chapter, chapter 4, verse 7, 
talks about the peace that passes understanding, which has been granted to my wife and I through this whole thing. It's been a long journey. We've seen God's hand in everything. Um, praise item from it. Our grandchildren are now in Christian homes. They were taken out of a drug place and placed with Christian people. Their future is in God's hands. For that, I give him praise. Mm. And for all of the people who have come together to help us through this time, there's so many ways that we've seen God work. It's just been absolutely wonderful. Thanks, just Gary. give him thanks and praise for that. Someone else? Uh, I'm really happy to be here. I think most of you guys know my family, right? I'm Natalia Wilton. Uh, we are from Brazil. And we are um, really happy. First of all, because today is my birthday. Oh. And, yeah. <laughs> and it's been um, last year for us because we lived here in 2018. Only Wilton and me. And then we went back to Brazil, had the girls, and this year we came back. Mm -hmm. um, it's not easy to be away from your country, right? But I feel like home here at this church. I'm really happy to be here with you guys, and I can see God's uh, working, uh, God's working in myself and in my family. I'm really happy to be here Thank <laughs> with you. you. Thanks, Um, I want to, there's so much to be thankful for, but um, I know last time I shared about dad and he's done his radiation and he's doing really, really well. So we're going to just keep praying and believing for a clean bill of health for him. We should hear really soon. Um, I'm also grateful for this wonderful family. <laughs> and uh, we had a bit of a journey um, becoming pregnant and and staying pregnant so the fact I'm 30 weeks today yesterday and uh, and still going strong and everything's really good um, I am forever grateful and um, that we were able to travel to see Marvin's family this year and praying and believing that we can do that again next year and uh, with two kids should be fun but super super grateful for family and for all of you guys too thank you thanks sir. thanks sir. <laughs> I just want to say how grateful we are for the arrival of two beautiful, healthy grandbabies this year. Mm. And the one you know, Paul and Bryn here, and their yeah. newest one, Harvey. Thank you. Um, I wanted to say that I'm very thankful for my family because this year definitely has not been easy with trying to ease out of COVID, but I'm happy that my family have unconditional love and loyalty to me, and I appreciate that. Yeah, excellent. Thank you. Anyone else, as you think back on 2023, a couple more, yep. 
Um, after many years uh, in bondage, um, being set free, my husband and I being apart for 34 years, this last Christmas, just days ago, mm. our whole family, all our kids, our grandkids, were under the same roof singing Christmas carols together. Even our youngest, who is, we're really praying for him, four-part harmony in our living room, and I just praise God. He is so, so real and good. Oh, excellent. Thanks, Sharon. Stella, right there behind you. <laughs> well, I have to say, I am so blessed. I thank the Lord every day for my health, my strength, and I pray for wisdom. When I think back the years that I've gone through, he has changed my life so much, mm. and I praise him every day. Mm. Thanks, Stella. Austin. Your buddy. <laughs> I too am very thankful for uh, the year we've had. We've had uh, we've had two more grandchildren born into our family this year, mm. and we had all of them home for Christmas for an extended period of time. So it's been a fantastic Christmas. But please do pray for uh, Taya and Taya's dad. Uh, Taya's dad, Al, had a stroke just a few hours ago, so that's oh. uh, something we, we're not sure where that's going, but it's, it'll be tough. Thanks, Mike. This last year has been very, very challenging for me. Um, my husband passed last January the 5th, so it's just coming up to the first year of his uh, death mm. anniversary. But good things have happened in my life. I've moved from Calgary, arriving in Chilliwack on July the 1st. I found this church, uh, which I plan to make my home church. And I'm with my family. My sons are in the area. And I'm living with my youngest. And he's got three, three daughters. I've brought uh, the twins to church a couple of times, and uh, also my oldest granddaughter. I'm just praying that um, they'll come with me more often. I, it's a work in progress in our home. So um, I'm very glad to be in Chilliwack. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you. Um, I just want to say I am so grateful for our church. Um, Matt had told us when we were thinking about joining, think of it as, <coughs> excuse me, as a blind date. And I remember after the first one, I have to confess, I said, that's a blind date. I don't want to go on another one. <laughs> but with how the Lord has, has moved, and I have to say now that I love each and every one of this uh, people in this church and... I'm so grateful that we are blended and that we are just one big family. So I thank God for that. Yeah. Well. One last one over here. 
other side, Donna. Okay, so some of you um, know the uh, Ukrainian family who was living with us, um, well, it was over a year ago now, um, but uh, Dasha is her name, and she was able to be reunited with her husband in Germany, and they have had a beautiful baby girl. Oh, well, oh, well. Thanks, everybody. Let me just commit that to the Lord, then Darren's going to come and close up. Father, just, uh, just sanction a sense of incredible thankfulness and praise in our hearts for the way that you've watched over us in 2023. We bless you for your mercy in bringing us together as two congregations. We continue to look forward to what you'll do with us in the coming year. Thank you for the stories that intersect with your grace in our lives. Let us never lose sight of the fact that we all push on towards that goal, that upward goal in Christ Jesus. And Father, bless us as we serve you. Amen. Thank you, Matt. As we say farewell to uh, 2023, and as we welcome 2024, we're looking at how we get rid of the baggage that weighs us down, and how we can be uh, free and focused in the year to come. And Pastor Dave looked at the, uh, the bad done to us, and Pastor Matt looked at the bad that we do when it comes to the baggage that we drag around, our go-to is the negative. Our go-to when we think of heavy baggage that weighs us down is the bad, the negative. And so we may think of the past and, and, and the bad done to us, uh, the families we were uh, born into and our childhood experiences. Uh, or we think of our past and, and our behavior before we became followers of Jesus. Uh, we, we may think of the present uh, and the bad that we do in the present, uh, our secret sins or our bad habits. Our go-to when we think of baggage is the negative, the bad. But there is a piece of baggage that we drag around that is incredibly heavy and it weighs us down. And that is the baggage of doing good so that we hope we can win the approval of our Father in heaven. The good that we do or the good that we feel obligated to do in order to make God accept us is tremendously heavy. It's a baggage that drags us down. And here's the problem with doing good to win the approval of God. And the problem with doing good for this reason is that there is nothing good that we can do that is good enough. No good 
is good enough. Paul talks about his innate goodness and the good that he does. And so he describes just how confident he could be if he were to be confident in the good that he has and does. He says, talking about putting confidence in the flesh and what you can do, he says, I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Paul says, when it comes to good and doing good, I'm at the top of the list. There's no one that comes close to the good that I have done. To use Pastor Dave's stat of the, the negative positive stat, Paul essentially says, right at the bottom are, are, are all the Calgary Flames players. <laughs> and then there's me. No one comes close. Not even the great one. There's me and there's everyone else. But then he says this. He says, whatever was to my gain, I count as a loss. And then he makes a profound statement. He says, not only is it a loss, I consider it garbage. Now the Greek word for garbage is the word skibulon. And we translate this word skibulon, we soften what the word actually means. So we translate it as garbage. But the word skibulon literally means the feces of animals. The dung that you step in when you walk on your lawn and the dogs left you a present. He says that, that's what the word means. In fact, I think it would be fair to say that this is the only time in Scripture you could use the C word, crud. I can't even say it. But Paul did. He says, my best, the good that I do, is crud. And the danger with doing good is that it affects our, our perspective, our focus. And instead of focusing on what God has done or, or what Jesus has done, we focus on what we must do. Instead of focusing on who Jesus is, our focus becomes who we are. And so as we go into 2024, if we want to get rid of the baggage of doing good, if we want to be free and focused, there's two things we need to do. And the first one is change our perspective. We have to not look at who we are. We have to look at who Jesus is. We cannot look at what we need to do. We have to look at what Jesus has already done. Paul says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has already taken hold of for me. 
Jesus has done it. And so any good that we do must be because it flows out of that. That because we are blessed, we bless others. And so we need to change our focus. But secondly, if we want to be free and focused in 2024, we have to do what Paul says at the end of this passage where he says, forgetting what is behind, I press on, I strain forward. 2023 is, well, in a few hours, is gone. And there is nothing you can do to go back and fix anything. Nothing. It's over. But in a few hours, it's 2024. And if we are deliberate about pressing into God, about being deliberate about pressing into what Jesus has already done, we will be free of the baggage of doing good. And it will free us up to be free and focused in the year to come. Father, we, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that because of your goodness, our goodness is irrelevant. That there's nothing good we can do to win your approval because Jesus has already done all the good so that we, you do approve of us. You call us your sons and daughters because of what Jesus has done. Won't you help us in 2024 to get rid of the baggage of trying to do good so that you would love us and press forward and press into the truth that you already love us. Won't you help 2024 to be a year of freedom and focus? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask Menno to come up and play a final song.